In this Beaverpod Congress special, we'll be looking at why human behaviour change has been woven into the fabric of this year's Congress scientific programme. We've got mental health nurse Bronwyn Williams and Head of Support for World Horse Welfare, Sam Chubbuck, describing why active listening, motivational interviewing and supporting boundaries in our professional interactions with clients and colleagues is so important to all of us. Welcome to another episode of Beaver Pod, and this is another Congress special. Uh, today with me, I've got Sam Chubbuck and Bronwyn Williams, who are going to talk to me about how they've woven human behavioural change and motivational interviewing and such like topics into Congress this year and why they've been invited to join us. So hello, both of you. Hello. Hi, Lucy. Hi, so Bronwyn, you're a mental health nurse, educator and a writer, and you've been asked to come and talk in this field because you are very passionate about how animals impact human mental health and how um, humans in in reverse can impact the um, animal health as well. And Sam, you're head of UK support at World Horse Welfare, um, working with the field officers and the farms and the rehoming centres. So you're both very well placed to be talking on this subject matter. Bronwyn, would you like to go ahead and give me a bit of a background on, on you in this field and why it is that you've been invited to talk at Congress this year? Oh, hello. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me to do this. This is so exciting, if a little daunting. Um, so my background is, yes, I'm a mental health nurse, uh, which sounds a bit different to be talking perhaps at a veterinary conference. Um, so I've been a mental health nurse for 40 years, uh, working in a fairly rural uh, county of Gloucestershire for most of my career. But over that time, I've also been a volunteer for quite a few decades in the past for equine welfare. And I started to be, I started using my motivation, interview and behavior change skills that I would use over in the NHS. I started using them within that welfare work. And that's where it really all started for me. And then I started to really think about sometimes there's been quite a gap between my colleagues in human health and their lack of understanding about um, the animal welfare law, perhaps, and what animals need um, when they're working with the owners. And the other side is quite often the animal welfare and veterinary professions sometimes aren't quite so aware of, of that stuff that comes from human health. That's certainly in the last few years getting closer together. So I've always been interested in that and how human health um, what how that's impacted with the animals that we have in our lives and how they can increase risk, how they can decrease risk. That's that's a big interest of mine. But the main focus for this probably is really around um, behaviour change and specifically motivational interviewing. So I've been teaching motivational interviewing over in the NHS and for social care staff for about, I think it's nearly 20 years. I think it's about that. And then I've started a bit training and teaching people, especially with World Horse Welfare, with Sam's colleagues, Sam co-trains with me, but other agencies and groups as well. Um, So we've adapted the motivational interview and brought it across into um, animal welfare work pretty successfully. Sam and her colleagues have used uh, some of this really successfully, which is great. And it's a real skill, isn't it? It's not something you can just sort of necessarily pick up quickly. It's like there's quite a lot of depth to motivational interviewing, isn't there? And it's something once you've got, can be really beneficial to all, all people. Yeah. Sam, do you want to go ahead and say about why you're um, being invited to talk about this at Congress this year and what your background is? 
Yeah, certainly. I mean, I've been fortunate to work at World Horse Welfare for 21 years now. Uh, and I've always been in our UK department, which, as you mentioned in your introduction, Lucy, is about supporting the work of our field officers and our farm teams who go out and um, responding to, to welfare reports from concerned members of the public or increasingly requests for help from owners themselves. And of course, we all get into this side of work, as, as do vets, with a passion for the animals. But behind every animal is an owner. And what we've become increasingly aware of is the, um, you know, the, the situations that owners find themselves in is absolutely critical to the, 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 their ability to provide appropriate care for their horses. And actually, the best way that we can help the horses is often by working with those owners, providing appropriate support and guidance um, to try and improve things. So we were um, you know, looking at how we could support our staff more in those really complex situations which obviously with everything the world's thrown at us in the last few years has become uh, more and more obvious. And we were fortunate enough to be trained by, by Bron, all of our field officers and, and other mem- key members of staff were trained in motivational interviewing um, a few years ago. And it's something that has really helped the, the teams going out and speaking face-to-face to owners, but also those of us speaking to owners directly on the phone um, in having you know, skills to deal with those more complex situations and therefore help horses in a more indirect way, but actually a, a far more effective way. So I think, you know, the, the opportunity at Congress is about exploring how those skills that we've found so helpful could potentially support vets in a similar way. You know, you, obviously you need to be working with owners um, to try and get improvements for their animals. And, and actually there's a lot of crossover there. Yeah, and that's certainly something Equine Vets report, isn't it? It's trying to get owners on board with certain things, trying to get compliance over sort of the way they change management or the way the animals are, are treated and cared for. What's, um, Bronwyn, what are you talking about specifically in your lectures and why why would it be really good for, for vets and nurses and, and, and delegates of Congress to come and watch what you've got to say? Oh, I've got an absolute plethora of all sorts of exciting things. Some of my favorite subjects. I'm so lucky. So um, I'm going to be talking about uh, what is motivational interviewing and why is everybody talking about it? So I've got to distill that down into 20 minutes. That's going to be that's going to be a bit of a task in itself. But um, we'll try and get the best bits out of that and some of the evidence base that's that's emerging um, that might be useful to people as well. Um, And I'll try and make it accessible and understandable. I'll be talking another day on compassion fatigue and well-being. So that's that's a big thing, isn't it? Whether you're in the NHS, whether you're in a, a vet, or in within whichever areas that we're working in, this is this is big for all of us. And I'll also be thinking about and talking about how stress impacts our decision making. It's something again that I'm really interested in. Is those words anxiety and stress, and what do they actually mean? So we'll be unpacking that in a, in another twenty minute session as well. And then we've got the biggie, which is the one that uh, Sam and I are working with Tamsin, and we're going to be doing um, some more practical workshops. We've got two workshops. Um, I think it's, is it on the Saturday or the Friday? Friday, I think it is. And we'll be um, running some some um, experience, lots of exercises, so people can come have a go at some of this and see what they think of um, some of the ideas we've got. And that is around based on motivation interviewing and behavior change is going to focus on how we listen and how we keep our boundaries, how we focus in and how we can, we've had a conversation today about how this helps us with timekeeping and using our time very, very productively and usefully. 
that's all. <laughs> and how would you describe motivation for a um, for like a, a layperson who's not come across that term before? What is motivational interviewing? Because we've used it a couple of times, but yeah. you know, it's, it might be not something everyone knows about. So I'll try and keep this brief because I can talk about this forever. Uh, but this is uh, motivational interviewing comes from the world of it originated in the world of addictions, human addictions, the most difficult behaviors to change. And it was developed by two guys, two psychologists called Rolnick and Miller. They got together at a conference, a bit like this probably, and they realized they were both on the same page and they've worked over probably three decades now to come up with where we are with motivation interviewing. It's had an awful lot of scrutiny and research. So there's a good evidence base behind it now been taken across all cultures or languages. Um, so it works across a range of areas. What it's about is instead of us hammering away at people and telling them what they should do, we need to just change our stance a little bit as the worker. And often, often the owner or in my world, the patient has a lot of the answers within them. So we often say there's two experts in the room when there's a worker and a client. As the worker, we may have that expertise about veterinary practice and all the stuff that, that you might bring to it. But, you know, the owner has expertise as well. They, have a, they are the expert on their life, their situation right now, and their animal. So it's really about a collaborative way of working to find the best way through. So it's very much about – it has great outcomes for, uh, for the, the, the owner – um, and but for the animals, because we can actually get change happening um, much more quickly and change that will last and stick. So it's sometimes the biggest criticism that we often hear, people like Sam and I, we often hear from people is this is going to take time. We haven't got time. None of us have got time. But actually what we find is that if this is used carefully and clearly and skillfully, you can actually really reduce the time that is needed overall. And also it reduces frustration for workers. We hear from uh, people who are trained in motivation interviewing that they actually have an easier time. They actually enjoy their work more a lot of the time. It's less stress. So there's got to be some, some, some good if we can do that with people. Yeah. That's really fascinating. And Sam, you've obviously seen that in action, haven't you, amongst your your the people you manage and and the and the presumably the, the owners of the horses or the clients that you rehome horses to. So tell me a little bit about sort of um how you've seen an improvement based on that sort of training that's been given and how you think that might help vets. Yeah, it's certainly um from a from my colleague's point of view and myself, there's a number of situations we've dealt with since having the training where we wouldn't have known how to deal with it. We would have potentially taken a lot of that emotion. You know, if you're speaking to somebody about a really difficult situation they're in personally, you know, they're bringing a lot of emotion to that conversation. It's very easy to take that on yourself and, and potentially go home, lose sleep, um, you know, impact uh, on your, your home life as well as your work life. And we don't want, obviously, any of our teams to be in, in that situation. And actually, this training and, and this way of working has really supported the teams in being able to, um, to cope with those situations a lot better and to be able to reflect on those in a healthy way and, and almost leave that work, not take it home with them and, and not let it sort of spill over into their, into their own lives. Um, and obviously, that, you know, that's hugely important in supporting the well-being of people who are in 
very difficult and um, and potentially very emotional roles. Um, so that's been one of the absolute key benefits for us. But I'm also um, I hear from from some of our field officers um, going out and dealing with owners. There are situations that they had been struggling to resolve for for a number of years, and then bringing this different approach, they've been able to resolve those. Um, you know where, where the, a traditional approach just hasn't worked. So we're seeing benefits for definitely for, for horses, which obviously is, uh, is 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 our reason for existing, and um, for owners as well because they're getting um, you know as Ron said a little bit more ownership of those solutions. And then for our staff as well, in terms of their well-being, and I think all of those things are, are, are really relevant to the veterinary profession as well, because you're dealing with so many of the same situations and the same challenges that, that our welfare teams will be. Yeah, and it sounds quite exciting, like that that sort of whole different approach to things. Obviously, the proof's in the pudding, and you, you've seen that happen between you in your different fields and, and industries. Um, it's something that's quite new to veterinary you know, work, isn't it? And it's not something we fully embraced already so this is kind of a growing growing area of interest isn't it for our for our industry at least and, and that sort of one health approach is something that you you're both quite sort of passionate about aren't you there's so much we can take from other medical fields other other industries that that can be applied to ours um and that interchange of experiences bron you were talking about that before we started recording you know how how does that sort of um, sit with Congress and how we're bringing it into our sort of existing CPD that, that vets and nurses come and come and do. I think it's probably. Um, I, th- I think it's probably that it's it's not as daunting as people might think it it is. We I know from human mm. health world we often think oh that's that's not mine. And I think we perhaps do that also in animal welfare and veterinary work is that's not mine. I don't have expertise. But actually, you know, if you're if you're dealing with your owners, but you're also dealing with your colleagues. So there's something about how that we we need to have those skills. They absolutely um it's not it's not siloing. So it's about just not expecting people to be um have you know that that expertise in mental health uh, mental illness that's not what it's about but it's about having confidence perhaps in the skills you already have you already have these just have some more confidence in them and be a bit curious about yourself and and your clients yeah and that applies to 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 all the vets and all the delegates that we're going to have pretty much doesn't it i mean all of them are interacting like you say either with owners directly or with people in their clinics and hospitals and and it can help help in all of those experiences so going back to uh, to round up, really, what um, what are you both looking forward to seeing at Congress? I know, Bronwyn, you've not been before to Beaver Congress. Um, and Sam, you've, you're have you a veteran, is it? <laughs> 20 years of Beaver Congresses this year. So um, maybe you first, Sam. What is it you're looking forward to seeing this year in September? Yeah, as you say, Lucy, I, I have been quite a number of times and I'm hoping that maybe at my 20 year point, I get a rosette or maybe an extra drink at happy hour. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think there's 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 so much on the uh, on the timetable this year um, that my colleagues and I have actually had to devise a rotor between us of who's going to go to what session and, and who's going to take notes for the ones that we, we can't go to because we have to, to man the stand in the exhibition hall. So I'm really interested to see sort of that 
that human behavior change perspective on it, because I think that is absolutely key to, to everything that we do. Um, and there's also, you know, as well as the sessions on that, I know there are sessions on things like obesity and laminitis, which is another area of, of particular interest for me. So lots on the agenda this year that I'm really interested to, to go and listen to. And that's a good point because they, they, all this human behavioral change stuff is kind of woven into the sort of whole program really, isn't it? It's not like we've got a single stream on it like we have done previously. Um, in that sense, Bron, what would you what would you potentially be going to see other than being at your own streams, obviously, but where would you be looking to go and um, see what else is on the, on the program or the socials, for instance? <laughs> uh, well, do, do you know, um, I'm actually really excited. I'm going to be a bit like a, a Labrador, you know, just like, whoa, looking at everything. Because because I come from a, a very different area, it's really useful for me to, to just to be able to absorb the language, but also to hear some of the conversations and the difficulties. So that will really help inform some of the work that I'm doing at the moment and some of the writing that I'm doing about how do I phrase this? What are the issues that I might be able to, to think about? What can we take from human health world and bring over here, especially the health behavior change, but other things as well. So I'm, I'm afraid I'm just going to be really excited. Um, and if anybody, please don't give me coffee because it'll make me worse. And if you do see me, you know, um, I may be just sitting and people watching because I do come and talk to me, come and talk to me um, and uh, and talk to me about some of the ideas that you might have about human behavior change and some of the difficulties about working in this field and, and how that works with human mental health as well. Yeah, because that's the thing. That's what we need to do is get that conversation going, don't we? And then ideas and 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 solutions will emerge from those conversations and that interaction between individuals. And I think that's that's what's so exciting about this topic, isn't it? There's just such a potential there to improve things for everybody, really, in the whole industry. And if I could just mention, Lucy, that um, World Horse Welfare stand in the exhibition hall this year. Um, last year, some of you may remember that we had our, our uh, survey for socks. So we were giving away pairs of spectacular socks with anything from sloths to pineapples on. Um, we are actually running that again this year, due back due to popular demand. And the survey this year is actually really relevant to, to um, all of the stuff we've talked about today, because it's about trying to understand vets experiences of those difficult situations you know how often are they encountering clients who are having you know um difficult personal circumstances or situations that might be affecting their ability to care for their horses for example so it's really key for us to try and understand what vets are experiencing in this area and how we might be able to support them better so if people find themselves with a bit of time um please do come into the exhibition hall come to world horse welfare stand fill in our survey and get a wonderful pair of socks. Oh, fantastic. That's great news. I was putting on my socks from last year onto my daughter this morning, in fact, because she's commandeered them because they're so wonderful. Little, <laughs> little husky dog socks. Though. Well, you need <laughs> some more for yourself, Lucy. <laughs> Definitely. I'll be there. So, yeah, everyone do go to the World Horse Welfare Stand. That's a really important survey. And actually, the information we get from that will be so valuable to growing this, won't it? So, Thank you ever so much for your time today, both of you. I'm really excited about coming to see your sessions and um, and I'm sure everyone else is as well, having heard what they've heard today. So I look forward to seeing you both in Birmingham and Bron, you're going to love it. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be plying you with, uh, with coffee and alcohol, I'm sure, <laughs> and the excited Labrador that you are. <laughs> Can't wait. Thank you and see you both then. Thank, Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye.